people have to feel like they have a level of control and ownership over their, their career. They need to feel like it's, it's theirs. Otherwise, we, we get back to the place where we're just directing them and telling them what to do, and you end up with a quite a, a, a jaded, jaded workforce, and one that isn't particularly self-sufficient. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Whitby. I'm joined today by Nathan Callahan. Nathan is a managing director at Future Heads Recruitment. Future Heads are an award-winning digital recruitment company based in London with a team of 30. They've been awarded great place to work multiple times, as well as listed on the London Stock Exchange's 1,000 Companies to Inspire Britain several years in a row. Nathan has close to 30 years recruiting experience with substantial leadership experience running recruitment businesses within the digital and technology space. He's worked in startups as well as management teams within high growth recruitment environments. He's worked in-house, he's been a business owner, and he joined Future Heads in 2013 where he found a leadership position that allowed him to balance a values-led approach with commercial thinking. Nathan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks very much for the invite, Mark. It's really good to be here. Awesome. So, listen, um, I would love to talk about, you know, what's been happening at Future Heads for the last year or so during a very challenging period, as well as what you guys um, have planned for the future. I think uh, you guys have handled the whole pandemic situation, you know, better than most, although I'm sure there's still you know, learnings and, and mistakes that, um, you know, in hindsight, um, things you might have done differently. But um, part of the reason we got in touch with you is you were recognized by Recruiter Magazine in their Hot 100 list, which is the most successful recruitment companies in the UK based on GP per employee. And that was that was during the, the, uh, the COVID-19 crisis. So you must be doing you must be doing a lot of things right. Um, before we dive into that, though, yeah. there's a couple of topics I, I'd love to touch on um, based on having looked through your website. One is the idea of niche specialization. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I'm a huge believer in, and uh, some people get it, some people don't. But I understand you guys, you, each of your consultants specialize in a specific digital discipline. Yeah. Um, could you just touch on why you do that and why you believe in in being a niche expert? Yes, I think I think for us, the, um, the, the digital community respects people that are prepared to, to invest time uh, uh, in understanding what they truly do. So the, what, what we look to do is, is, have, is, is balance the, the, the rigor of good recruitment practice uh, alongside genuine interest in, in, in the space. So I think it's, it's such a competitive market Clients and candidates can um, can can smell a, a pitch a mile off. Um, and if they feel that uh, someone is uh, is feigning interest in their in their discipline just to secure an opportunity, um, it, it doesn't land particularly well. So, so the way in which we're set up is it's saying that actually spend the time working with that community, understand what makes it tick, contribute to the debate around that community as well, and, and share your learning and and, and your and your experiences. That, that creates a conversation with, with, with your target market about what's important to them. And the, the conversation about recruitment naturally extends extends from that. So rather than kind of you know, looking to communicate in a way that says, right, we're here to hire for you, give us give us a mandate to go and hire. So actually, tell us about what you do, tell us how it works, tell us why. Right, okay, we can now use that understanding to go and secure the best talent for you in the way that's important. 
So it's just flipping the flipping the conversation slightly. And the, the, the other the other piece though is as we um, is as you as you scale, it's it's really important to to, to be able to put a, a good strong account management or client management wrapper around that that niche focus. Because ultimately, you know, we, we look to work with you know, on a repeat business basis with a number of customers. We want to we want to increase the uh, the amount of engagement we have we have with each client. That would inevitably mean working across more than one discipline. So it's just really important to manage that transition effectively from being right, I'm your go-to person for UX, to actually being right, I'm your go-to person for UX, product design, engineering, product management, whatever it might be. So that's. And that, that transition piece is, uh, is 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 one of the more challenging aspects um, for us, from as you know, in terms of managing the client, managing the client journey. Interesting. Um, I wasn't expecting this to come up, but could you say a little more on how you how you handle that? Because I suppose if you're dealing with larger repeat accounts, um, and you have you each have a a, a, a niche discipline, you know, that, uh, your experts in, then how do you manage that from the client perspective? So they're not talking to 30 different people in the business. Yeah. First things first, I mean, engage, engage your customer in a conversation and say that how, how, you know, what works for you? How do you want us to do this? Um, I think it's it's amazing how many times you'll sit on briefing calls or you sit in meetings of competition and, and, and they, they are so busy imposing their structure or the way in which they they want to engage with the client, rather than saying, "Well, hold on a minute, what works for you and your what works for you and your team?" So have have, have the conversation, understand understand what, what's important, and then and then it comes down to the for me, it's really about the the positive working relationships in, internally within uh, within future heads, Get, getting people together to understand you know what what's actually the, the key objective for that for that customer, um, how, you know, what what is it we're actually trying to deliver. Does everyone understand the role they need to play internally to enable that overall objective to be delivered? Because ultimately, if the customer's super engaged and happy, that means more opportunity for everyone. It means we all, we all benefit from it. So it's I think if you if you can bring if you can bring true um, a truly collaborative approach to that customer com- that customer conversation and, and, and you share with the client what you want to achieve and, and wrapping what's important to them, those two things can come together and deliver a you know, really strong customer customer experience. Yeah, you, you've got you've got to be prepared to um, uh, to really uh, engage with the customer and understand what's in what, what's important with them. You've got to be you've got to be prepared to ask those questions and and secure and secure feedback. You also then need to be prepared to hear that feedback and act on it. You might hear things that you don't really want to hear, but you're not the most important person in the room. You're there to you're there to facilitate the right introductions between. A client and, and the individual they or company the individual they want to that, that they want to hire so it's a yeah it's, it's a it, it needs people to be robust and uh, and and that um yeah and, and to, to hear things that they don't want to hear and that that can be challenging for some for some individuals so supporting our team and you know going through that process is a big uh, it's a big part of what we do wow that's really interesting um a couple of things from that one is do you have a sort of account management structure that allows you to uh, gather that feedback and be proactive in planning with the customer in terms of their, you know, hiring needs so that you're able to deliver a, a, a pipeline of talent or how, what's the mechanism for exchanging yeah. this feedback and 
it's not um it's it's something we're always trying to do better you know never, never going to say we're perfect at all there's some there's some clearly some client relationships where it works really well and, and others where it's uh, it's definitely a work in progress um it's it, what's it's the, gone. nathan what's the difference then like the the customers where it does work really well versus the mm. customers where it's a work in progress what would you say is the main difference between those two I think it's the um, it, it, it's about empowering the the individuals engaged with with that customer in early stage. So the, the definitely can be a, a tendency as um, as leaders or as managers in this situation to kind of sort of wade in and say, right, okay, guess what? I've, I've got the plan for the client. I know what we're going to do. We're going, we're going to get this, you know, and, and, and take a more directive role in that um, you know in, in, in that process. And, and that that works for a period of time. But actually, where, where, we've, where we've really seen it um, uh, sort of take off, and where we've really seen um, high levels of engagement with customers, is where um, is where actually there is a uh, there is a bit of teaching from, from from the leadership of the management for the wider group. There is so, so that the skills base is increased, and then we go into very much a coaching model with the with, with, with the account team, giving them the chance to put the teaching in, 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 into practice, and then supporting them and, and, and empowering them. Basically, it's the uh, it's, it's being, it's being, a, it's being, it's giving people the freedom to make some mistakes along the way, and accepting that actually it might be a little bit bumpy at times. Always terrifying when it's a really important customer, and you feel like it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, it's all got to be perfect first time. But if you if, if you don't give your team that that freedom and that space to um, to, to, to operate, you, you know, the, the relationship only, it doesn't really grow. It only ever stays tied into that one that one senior figure, um, and that isn't ultimately good for the client or for, or for us. Interesting. That's really awesome because um, exactly. How do you grow a business if it's the leaders and the, the senior managers who are taking charge of all the key decisions and, and um, you know, contact points with the customer um, is, is, you know, you know, it's, I guess it's balancing the development and, and giving people the opportunity to develop with the, you know, you need to be commercial at the same time. Uh, and how do you find that? How do you find that balance? Because I think the fear that a lot of now to be, to be fair, you guys are growing and many recruitment businesses never get past like 10 employees. And I think this is one of the reasons is that the, the managing director wants to control everything and is very directive and wants to be, you know, own the customer relationship and wants to close all the offers and so on because they're worried about losing money. And, uh, and, and, and that really proves to be a bottleneck. But at the same time, you don't want to make massive mistakes that cost you a relationship. So how, how do you find that um, equilibrium? It's, it's, for me, it's about, it's about putting the right, level of structure in place so people understand what the standards um you know the level of standard that, that, that you know, that's expected of them as they go through as they go through a particular process making sure that there's appropriate level of training and support as they as they work through that process so they so they have the chance to um to to, to learn and they feel comfortable when they go into that go into it to applying that for the first um for the first time but it is it is really tricky because you there has to be things have to be done in a certain way in order to deliver a consistent client experience or consistent candidate experience. But you also do have to um, you do have to allow people the freedom to show more of what of what they're about. You know, you've got to 
um, yeah, that, that, that personal element is such an important piece for, you know, from a sort of relationship development perspective, you know, sort of candidates and clients want to engage with someone they like and someone they can, they can connect with. And if you stifle that, it, um, uh, it can be very, it can be very tricky. So um, it's a fine line to walk, but to me, it's a, it is that mixture of, right, okay, there's a, there's a minimum set of expectations and standards across the business but with enough room for people to sprinkle a bit of their secret, you know, their, their secret dust on that and say, right, actually, this is, this is what makes me special. This is why people connect with me as an individual and why they will, they will continue to come back to me. Awesome. Yeah, no, that makes sense. There's a, there's a famous story. I don't know if this is even true, but there's like a, a sort of myth around IBM and, and Tom Watson. When Tom Watson was, Tom Watson Sr. was the CEO of IBM, there was a young executive who made a decision which ended up costing them $10 million. And uh, of course he was, you know, um, felt terrible. And he, he went to tender his resignation and Tom Watson said, what do you, you know, what the heck are you doing? And he said, well, you know, I've just made this terrible mistake. It was a wrong decision and it ended up being very costly. So, you know, uh, I think I should resign. And Tom Watson said, you know, I've just spent $10 million on your training and education. Why, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, why would I let you go at that point? You know, yeah. that, I've already made a huge investment in you. So I think it's a, whether that story is true or not, I don't know, but I, I liked the, the moral behind it anyway. No, I think it's, it's fair enough. I, I, it's definitely something that um, sits, sits, sits with me a lot on the back of, on the back of last year is the, um, you know, getting, getting that, um, in that balance of giving giving people freedom and, and, and the opportunity to to try things, accepting that there's going to be some toe curling moments and they'll make mistakes, and you know <laughs> the urge to kind of dive in is always is always going to be there. Um, Absolutely. But, but also applying that to applying that to, to myself and to the to the to the leaders in the business as well, because it's you know over the past or during 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 COVID, there's there's been no real frame of reference for how to deal with this. You know, it's been the yeah, yes, you can look back over previous. Um, recessions for example and say right okay I'm, I'm going to apply my sort of recession methodology to get, to, to get this done but it was such a unique sort of circumstances and I, and I and I and I do um I do think we have to be a little bit kind to ourselves as well having been through that process and accept that actually you know there's some there's some mistakes made and there's some things that um perhaps would have done differently but hindsight's uh <laughs> hindsight is a wonder is a wonderful thing it isn't um and at the time, you know, you've got to accept you're doing the best, doing the best you can in a in a pretty unique situation. Absolutely. Well, look, let's talk about that then. What do you feel were like some of the key lessons learned from from 2020, and 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 how has that shaped your approach to 2021? Yeah, sure. I, I think I think I mean pick up on that point about sort of frame of reference. I I, I think the first the first thing we did is we you know I, I went into uh, recession mode. So, uh, you know, in previous in previous scenarios, it's like, okay, what, what's the most important thing we need to do? Or, you know, client acquisition is the key thing. It, it suddenly flipped to being such a candidate heavy, candidate rich market in a matter of weeks. You know, um, with with uh, and we saw. I mean, we lost about two two thirds of our uh, job flow within within a matter of uh, a matter of days. So. It was a pretty, um, a pretty, pretty challenging environment from a client acquisition perspective. So, we 
absolutely piled in. So everyone has to be um, 360. Everyone has to um, be out there winning new customers. Put a lot of put a lot of um, sort of pressure and expectation on some on more of our experienced people to do that. But it was in, in reality, even a lot of our experienced people, they'd only really worked in a, in a, in a boom market. So, and our, our our brand is strong. Client acquisitions never hadn't really been an issue for us for a number of, for a number of years. So, it's um, it was. I think there was a there was perhaps some learning around actually were we were we asking people to do to do what the business needed rather than actually asking them to be the best version of themselves. It was a it was um, it was a it felt a necessary thing to do, but it put a lot of stress. On, on 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 people who are already having to deal with a lot of stress externally, you know, it was a, it was I said it was a, it wasn't even though we were behaving like it was a recession, it wasn't a typical recession. There were just so many other factors that were um, that, that were putting people into a difficult space. So I think I think certainly what we've I'm going to look at what we're doing now. We've we've actually learned that lesson of look the you know, the, 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 the 360 sort of recruitment recruitment job is a is a, is a varied complex beast that requires lots of different skill sets and it's it's for me it doesn't feel reasonable to expect everyone to be able to do that all of the time don't get me wrong there are some people out there who can who can do it and enjoy that but you've got to be great at client acquisition you've got to be great at talent pooling you've got to be great at process management you've got to be a good marketeer you've got to be <laughs> you've got all these different elements to it so we've um so I think we looked, we looked back on what we were asking people to do during that time, and as we and as and as we were coming into re- recovery mode, and then and then sort of out of that into um, into really sort of higher performing performance and, and sort of thrive thrive mode, it was it was about saying actually let's stop pushing people to do to do something that doesn't feel comfortable. Let's stop pushing them to do something where the the enjoyment and the engagement isn't there, and let's create career paths that allow people to to to, to still progress to. The kind of leadership position they want in the business, but but do it in part in a, in a component of the recruitment job that really makes sense to them. So whether that's whether that's client acquisition, whether that's process management, candidate engagement, whatever it is. And I think that as we as we plan as we plan now, that um, uh, giving people that control back, I think has, has been a big has been a big part of what uh, uh, what's worked for us as we as we come into twenty twenty one. Um, I. I guess the other, the other thing for me as well is um, I think from a from a resilience point of view, it's I I, I definitely learnt, learnt a lot about um, what it means to to really to really engage with people during during such a difficult such a difficult time. So you know the kind of the, the, the go to place in when when times are tough, you know, sort of thump thump thumpy chest, and you try and do a big Churchillian speech, and you kind of come out, you know, you kind of you want to, to be this bombastic leader who's going to kind of you know guide guide people to the uh, to a happier place. Um, uh, that wasn't that wasn't what everyone needed really last year. Um, it was people. My take on it is people they needed they needed to hear that they need they need, they need to be heard. They need to be able to say that they weren't okay. They needed to stop being told that actually um, everything is just going to be okay if they just do this. It was it was much more about right, okay, just let's just accept that things are pretty tricky. It's it's okay for that. It's not a bad thing. Um, and rather than seeing that 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 acknowledgement that stuff were, that things were tough as a as a sign of weakness or as a lack of motivation 
on the behalf on behalf of it from the individual and therefore trying to fix it. It was it's more just about saying to people you can you can say that without any fear or fear or concern. And I think as a as a fixer, you know, as a flaw of mine, as a as a fixer type, you know, see a problem, want to get in and fix it. And last year was the <laughs> ultimate scenario for a fixer. It's like, oh, there's all this all this stuff going on, I've got to rush around and do everything. It was um I think there there are you know there are some people who just who who just needed a bit of space, actually. Um mm-hmm. and I think and again that's that's really informed how we approach people, I think, now within within the business. It's uh um, you know, one-to-ones and one-to-ones and engagement with people. It's uh, you know that there has to be that time to just talk about them and where the headspace is at. There has to be um, there has to be the opportunity for them to for them to really talk openly and honestly about about how they feel. Get it get it out, and then be able to move on to talk about work and then be, you know, and the actions and the tasks. So so there's a bit of um yeah there's really really asking ourselves as a management team and, and me as a as leader of business to say like, am i am i really balancing you know what, what's right for the individual alongside what's right for the business and always as someone who's probably more of a commercial md type you know that's where that's where my head goes to it's been it's been a development area for me to to say actually don't don't just chase that number Chase the chase the well being piece because that will ultimately create the right environment for people to then go and perform. So so many things in there that you just um, shared, and I appreciate you being so open and, and transparent about that. Before I go to my next question, I'd like to share one of the keys to my success in recruitment and in business. You may have noticed that a lot of the people I interview on this show have a coach. That's not a coincidence. Most high achievers have a coach, including me. I've worked with various coaches over the last 20 years, and it's been a huge factor in my own personal and business growth. Here's why. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees, and it really helps to take a step back and look at how you can improve the business and get a fresh outside perspective from someone who's bringing new ideas and insights to the table. Plus, as a business owner, who is holding you accountable and helping you stay on track? So I want to encourage you, if you're not already working with a coach, get one. It doesn't have to be me. There are plenty of amazing coaches out there. Just find someone who you believe will add measurable value to your business and can help you get to the next level. If you do want to explore a coaching relationship with me, then you're welcome to apply for a free 30-minute strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. This is not a sales call. My number one objective is to help you to get clear on your goals, identify the roadblocks that are holding you back, and create a strategic plan to increase your billings and grow your business. I promise you'll leave our session feeling focused, re-energized, and excited to take your business to the next level. You can apply at www.recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. Could you just briefly touch on the values? What are the values that that you held to throughout this uh, challenging period? Yeah, sure. So, so I think um, I said the ethics is is the first one. So, just not 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 compromising on those, not um, sacrificing how we engaged with candidates and clients in order to chase a commercial return. Still, still. Doing, do, doing, doing the right thing by everyone, everyone in the process. Even if that, even if that meant at times we were beaten to a commercial opportunity by someone who was willing to cut corners. Um, the inclusivity um, piece is really, is really important. Is really important to us, giving everyone the chance to, um, uh, to be, you know, 
dream to be to be empowered and uh, and and have the opportunity to do what uh, uh, to do do their bit to make the business business a success. Collaboration was so important. It was really I said putting putting the egos to one side and saying right we are better if we don't compete amongst ourselves. We're better if we work together. We're better if we lean on each other. That was um, uh, that, that that was a big a big piece. And then there's and then there's the the, the transparency element. As I said before, don't don't shy away. Yeah, we, we could have, we could have presented an image that um, we could have hidden all the the, the company um, uh, finances. We could have hidden the, uh, the the data. We could have told a story that made everyone feel better. But and then and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, we're having to make changes or make some difficult decisions. We didn't we didn't do that. We 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 stuck to our guns and said people you know p- people respect appreciate transparency. That's what we're about. We're going to you know, we're, we're going to do it. Um, and I think that's, um, you know, it, it, it made for quite an intense environment. You could argue that some people perhaps didn't want to hear everything, didn't need to hear, didn't need to hear everything. But it, um, it, it felt on balance the right, the, the right thing to do. I agree 100%. And, you know, I, I'm a huge believer. And, you know, Nathan, I've interviewed um, leaders of some of the fastest growing recruitment businesses in the UK, as well as like really uh, world-class top billing recruiters. And one of the common, I, w- I would say not 100%, but by and large, the uh, feeling I get from people is thinking long-term uh, in, term, in, in the way that you operate within your market, the way you deal with clients, candidates, and team members is you always have that long-term view that might cost you in the short term, but means that you are building a sustainable business and, and, and career and reputation and relationships in the, in the long run. So, I mean, I think you absolutely did the right, the right thing there. No, as I say, it's just interesting that point. The, um, I guess the one, the one thing where the one thing where it was, uh, I think about you know that 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 you know, we took that long term approach with our, uh, with our with our customers and with our with, with our candidates. I think one I think one thing where we have to acknowledge we we perhaps caught um, caught out a bit was we it was just understanding the what 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 you know, the, the intensity what, what the intensity of that working time was doing was doing to the people that were still in the business and what and and and, uh, and experience it experiencing it mm. so i think everyone has had such a an intense personal experience during during covid i, I don't i don't i don't you know, it, it, i don't think it's a case of like one person's had it easy one person's had it hard i think everyone's had their own personal stuff to deal with which has been so which has been so challenging so whether you were whether you were working through it, whether you were on furlough, whether you lost your job, whether, you know, I'm talking not about personal, but people sort of professional, professional point of view. Every, everyone had their own things to their own things to deal with. But I, I thought it was interesting when I, when I look back, we, we took the long tail approach with um, uh, with our clients. But I think we, um, I think I, I admitted to understand the, the 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 what we need to do in terms of a long term approach for our people working through that process because it was so intense and and it's interesting as we go through a you know we are working through recoveries and you know things are improving everything you know we're, we're in a, you know a good place and, and we're growing you can still see the the, the legacy you know of that of, of that time on some people who work through it they're, they're still they're still pretty jaded and still pretty tired 
Um, and, and it's hard for them to feel like they've had some kind of respite from, from that. It was incredibly tough. It's now suddenly incredibly busy. And, yet, and they've been and they've had to experience those massive swings in opportunity. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, you know, it has, it has been tough for them. I think intense is the perfect word to describe um, what it was like for everybody in, in different ways. And, you know, it was it was quite traumatic in, in many ways um, and certainly stressful, um, no matter what was happening in your personal life or business life. Every, yeah. I mean, the overall stress level that everybody was under is, is uh, was was increased for sure. I think in terms of in terms of the well-being piece, we um, we worked we, 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 so we looked to uh, engage with people around okay, how are they feeling, what's important to them, how do they need to work, how can we how can we maintain some sort of personal connection between you all, given given there's uh, you're so um, you know such a distributed group, you know, heavy sort of social environment, lots of personal interaction day to day in the office. Overnight, all of a sudden, you're only talking you know, you're only talking on screens like this. It's it's really it's really it's been really really challenging. Um, we we brought in a um, we brought in some additional uh, uh, external resource to help from a well-being perspective. So uh, we, we we increased the remit um, of uh, of our HR resource to be able to provide more pastoral care. Um, one of the one of the founders um, is fantastic at providing um, adult pastoral care as well. So so lent lent on her to to do that. And then we uh, we, we engaged a business called Sanctus. Who provide uh, well-being um, support and, and coaching for the team? So, what uh, what people can do is they can uh, they can book themselves in anonymously to have a forty-minute session um, with a uh, uh, with a mental health coach who will, who will help them work through whatever however they're feeling or whatever they're experiencing at the time. I, think, yeah, the I love that. There, That's amazing. Yeah, you know, the, the emphasis there. Was, I'm not going to huge. Shout out to the Sanctus team. I think they're, I think they're brilliant, um, and it's it's been incredibly useful in it's been incredibly useful in giving people an opportunity to um, even if they think they feel great, it's just giving them an opportunity to take some time and just say, right, actually, where is my headspace really at? What do I need to do? To, to, yeah, do I need to get myself out of out of something? Do I do I need to um, approach the situation in a slightly different way? And just take, talking to someone completely anonymously outside of the business where there's no fear of it being um, uh, sort of considered about a future day or referenced or thought. It's just, I, think, I just think it's an incredibly useful, incredibly useful thing. Um, personally, I've, personally, I've benefited from it. I thought it was, you know, I thought, I thought, I thought it was great. Um, so so we've, there's a bit of, going back to the points I made earlier on, that there's a bit of personal development and learning for, for me and the management team around how we engage with people, but also leaning on external resource as appropriate to, to fill in the gaps where we, we frankly don't have the skills and the experience to do it. Nathan, uh, can I ask on a practical note, given that it's anonymous, how do you know the take up and the effectiveness of the service? Like how do you um, evaluate the impact it's having for people? Uh, so it's, so some people are willing to give feedback about whether they okay. did it. We don't. We don't push yeah. for it. But some people share what they have yeah. done. Um, we um, we're able to understand the level of take up on the on the sessions. So whether they're whether they're booked or booked, you know, booked or not. Um, okay. So it's. I think it's. 
it's one of those things you've got to really buy into it as a um yeah you know, <laughs> buy into the spirit of it as much as anything else so you can't put something in anonymously and then say right but i really want to understand everything that's coming out of it you, you you've got to you've got to be willing to look at it as, as, as part of a holistic approach to to well-being yeah. and how and how you're engaging with your you're engaging with your team um the, 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 the feedback that we've had is that it's a good service and people value it and the take-ups the take-ups where we want it to be it feels um, uh, it, it feels it feels like it feels like a good thing to do to be fair and I think sometimes oh, you just absolutely. sometimes you just do things because it's good thing to do really you know it's, yeah uh, yeah no I, you know, I, I, so. I accept that for sure for sure um okay awesome and so look thinking looking forward now um mm. i mean the market is surging back the pendulum has swung com- very rapidly and, and oh, to the yeah. other extreme right of being uh very candidate driven and so there's a massive opportunity um how are you guys try, trying to capture that opportunity, yeah. but and bearing in mind that people are, are still really suffering from the stress and the burnout levels from what we've just been through? What, yeah. What's the kind of approach there? Yeah, so we, we, we think about this a lot. The, I think mean, first off, we, we had to acknowledge that part, partly, partly because of the way, the way that people are working and, and also a bunch of external pressures, um, you, know, in, you know, in the first half as a result of being the pandemic, there was there's definitely been a bit of a disconnect between the sort of the vision for the business and 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 and, and the team. Uh, and it's, you can't you can't put that all down to just working remotely. You know, you can't just say because people aren't in the office, there's a disconnect because that's, that's too simplistic. I think. I think so. We. But what we have been, what we what we did look to do was just shift the narrative and being right. Let's stop reacting to what's going on around us, and actually, we will we will set our own course. We will set our own vision and our way of working, regardless of what the market throws at us. And if we, so element of sort of taking back control, so giving giving people the sense of ownership and, and, and feeling that they are part of something and that their contribution means something, and it will help them progress either. You know, financially or, or career development, whatever it, whatever it might be. So, so there was a, a big piece about reconnecting with, with the vision, um, and, uh, and that vision is to be everyone's uh, to be everyone's favourite. So, you know, whether we are everyone's favourite employer or favourite supplier or partner, whatever it might be. So, making that making that real real to be real to people. Um, I think the breaking down those that that the components of that 360 role and offering them as different career paths with very clear routes to to leadership and management and, and a, for me leadership isn't just about my management it's about you know, functional leadership commercially whatever it might be but, but putting our um you know putting our money where mouth is really and saying that actually if you are if you are incredible at um, at developing existing relationships, um, you know, within within customers, then, then you can progress to a board position through that track. You know, it, you know, if you are purely about client acquisition, you can do that. So, we would, I think that's that's really worked for us. I would love to learn more about this because it's you mentioned it earlier, and I've made a note here to to ask you about the career paths available at mm. Future Heads because what typically happens is, um. In, it, so some businesses have a 360 model and some have a 180 or a 120 model where the role yeah. is broken down. So you've got salespeople, you've got recruiters, yeah. um, you know, candidate delivery people. However, the real opportunity is on the client side. 
because mm-hmm. those are the folks arguably who are now it takes both. You need the candidates to, to make placements as well, yeah. but arguably the business development and sales, the commercial side is where the, the money is and the progression. So that's more likely that you're going to progress if you come through the sales route and then you become like a team leader or manager or so, or, yeah. or what have you. And there's a less clear path for recruiters. Either they transition to 360 or into a BD role or, or they kind of stay where they are. And Just, I'm yeah. not sure how to, how to address that. I, see, I, I think that, that to me feels a, um, there's a bit of an outdated, an outdated view of this kind of, you know, the, all the glories in the client acquisition and the, and the BD role. And actually, if you're a, if you're generating, um, if you're handling talent pooling or you know, sort of creating um, uh, shortlists and managing the candidate experience, somehow you're seen as some as sort of lesser recruiter, and you're, you know, you're you're <laughs> you're not you're not adding value. I, I think that's, um, I just think that's an outdated view. I, you, we we don't you know, we we don't view externally. Um, a client relationship any different to a candidate relationship okay that we okay. are we're an instructor's business we're there to bring two different sets of you know ideally two matching sets of expectations together yeah and, and that's and that, that facilitation process is what, is what we're about if you if you come at that saying right i'm only you know really i'm, I'm only bothered about what the client thinks or i'm only bothered about what the candidate thinks then you can't truly match those expectations. You don't truly facilitate. You're basically favouring one over the other, and that doesn't and that doesn't work. So, so if we have that mindset externally, why do we then throw that away internally and say, well, actually, you only you only have a future if you're good at, if you're good at business development. <laughs> you only have a future if you can manage your client. It's not. It can't be. It can't be the way to do it. So, each part of the process has value. It has equal value. You can't you can't favour one over the other. So my my my, my personal view is it's about it's about Getting people, you know, working with people to help them understand the value that that they give to the process, and and, and getting them to understand that actually it is it is all an equal, um, it, you know, it is, it, everyone has an equal part to play, and actually and actually you know, if you are fantastic at engaging with the candidate community and you're brilliant at finding top talent, that's what clients want, right? You can't do that without having someone originate some clients to work with. But just originating clients without having top talent to give them doesn't get you anywhere either. So I, I think I, I do feel like so there's, Nathan, a, there's a step there. We need to balance a bit, really. Yeah, listen, I, I buy into that. I agree philosophically. But what, what does that look like in a practical basis in terms of like the structure of the business yeah, and then sure. the, the career path or the promotion options for people? How, how does it work at at, uh, at Future Heads? No, it's fair enough. Basically, we have a um, um, we have a set um, a set structure where you, you work from sort of consultant to a senior, and then a lead. And, it, and so everyone has the same set of titles. So there's no. We, oh, we don't, I see. So you're not you're not a delivery person. You're not a yeah. BD. Everyone has, everyone has the same title. But what? Um, okay. But there are um, separate um, sets of responsibilities depending on what your focus is. So, so if you're um, if you're focused on candidate generation and engagement with existing customers and, and managing that, that process, your your set of your set of responsibilities would be all geared towards that, and, and you're and you're measured against the, the, the effectiveness of those of those those responsibilities. You then have a sort of three sixty role, and you have the client 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 acquisition, and we also have our embedded um, effectively our on site embedded consultancy model as well. 
which is uh, which is uh, uh, future heads on, and that uh, and that provides a career path for people who want to um, who want to engage uh, on a one to one basis with, with with brands, but also want to retain some of the variety of customer engagement that, that you would get as an open market consultant. So rather going purely in house and, and 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 staying just with just with one organisation and and only being able to work with a different set of stakeholders by moving jobs, you can sit in that in that in that area, deliver a project for six to nine months, gain experience with that customer, move on to the next one. So we everyone ev- everyone has the same title, everyone has the same career path through, but you're but you are measured purely on the on, on your outputs against the, the, the set of responsibilities for the job the, the, the job the job you do. Um, and what we look to do is 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 partner up and and uh, and, and link people working on different different parts of the process together so as they uh, so, so as they progress they have a natural peer group to be able to go to to help fill in the gaps for them so you would have perhaps a lead a lead consultant working uh, on say candidate generation and, and, and process management for existing clients they would partner with a lead with their client acquisition figure so they so, so they naturally benefit from working uh, from, from working together shared, shared sharing experiences understanding the strengths of, of each other which then helps them do their do their job and okay so this is really interesting because i've not seen quite this model before nathan so do those partnerships persist um you know with two people who like working together or do are they dynamic so you partner with different people at different stages or different different people at different stages um okay it's it's in its um uh, so we put this structure in place uh Really, within the last three months, um, okay. it's it's grown. It's it's grown at the moment. The the relationships between people have grown organically. So you can see you can see people naturally sort of partnering work working with others. As we bring additional headcount in, as we scale, the challenge the challenge for us is going to be right. How do we how do we actually go about partnering with those people? How do we partner those people up? How do we understand how people work and, and, and the kind of um, the kind of individual they would bounce off and and, and who they who they would. Uh, who they benefit from working with, but that comes back to that point about collaboration earlier on. If you if you set your stall out that collaboration is is the starting point for everything for everything you do, yes. should in theory give give you give, give you two people coming or group of people coming together um, with yes. the right uh, in, in in the right headspace. But it's um, yeah, it's certainly it's going to be interesting to uh, it's going to be interesting to see as we as we scale whether we can uh, um, you know, whether, whether we can maintain the integrity of what we're doing. Yeah, no, that's cool. So how do you identify which area of focus each individual? Is it self-selecting? Like someone knows already, look, I really want to focus on the, you know, the client uh, acquisition piece, or I'm more, you know, I'm more about candidate experience or like, how, how do they even know if they're new to recruiting where they mm. will, where they will naturally fit? So we, we, Offered existing um, staff the chance to self-select. Yep. So absolutely. So here's, here, here is the opportunity. Here, here are the different jobs you can do. What, what would you like to do? Uh, and then when, as we as we are hiring now and we're bringing new people in, the conversation during the interview process is which career path would you like to go? And it is it is fluid, right? So in so for example, there's an individual who's joined us recently that absolutely have aspirations and a desire to do a, to a 360 position mm-hmm. but 
relatively early in their career and actually wants to what wants to really um, really hone the candidate generation and process management piece before doing that. Mm-hmm. So it absolutely no issue at all. They've come in as a consultant. It could be that as they progress, they, they switch tracks and they, they end up being a lead 360 because they, mm-hmm. they, they've been able to, to, to swap over at a later point. I, mm-hmm. I think people have to feel like they have a level of control and ownership over their mm-hmm. over, over career. They need to feel like it's, it's theirs. Otherwise... Otherwise, we, we get back to the place where we're just directing them and telling them what to do, and you end up with a quite a, a, a jaded, a jaded workforce, um, and one mm. that isn't particularly self-sufficient. I did a poll on LinkedIn recently to find out what fee percentage recruiters charge, and it confirmed what I'd learned from speaking with so many recruiters every day. The majority of recruiters are undervaluing their service and cutting their fees to become more competitive. Listen, if you want to protect your cash flow and build reserves to protect your business against whatever might happen in the future, you need to be earning more for each placement, not less. The challenge, of course, is how to increase your fees and still be competitive. iIntro has helped hundreds of recruiters to make small but critical adjustments to the way they pitch and win business so they can win more clients who are also willing to pay higher fees. For example, one of their clients typically earned £5,000 per placement. But just a few weeks after working with iIntro, she won a new piece of business on a retainer, so in other words, she got a deposit, and her fee was an incredible £20,000, four times her average. If you'd like to see how iIntro can help you to grow your recruitment business and increase your average fees, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained and book a free consultation. There's no obligation, and if you mention that you're a listener of the Resilient Recruiter podcast, iIntro have pledged to offer you a 25% discount off any of their services. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to get started. This is really interesting, Nathan, and and um, I think the, the one uh, pro of the 360 model is that each individual is naturally balancing the supply and the demand dynamically on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. And so if you need more clients, you go and get them. Or if you've got, you're pretty overloaded and you just need to focus on resourcing, you can do that. Whereas if you have split roles within the business, how do you manage the dynamics of that where, you know, you, you, you need more jobs or you need more candidates and it's a little bit less, um, quick to, to respond to those changes in the dynamic. Yeah, I, I, I think there are always there are always people in the business. Well, from personal experience here um, over the last eight, nine years, there, there have always been people in the business who naturally lean towards client acquisition or client mm-hmm. development. It's, it's, yeah. They enjoy it. They like it. It's, it's, it's their thing. So so I, um, I personally feel like if you had a – don't get me wrong. If, you had, if 90% of your staff were – um, purely focused on candidate generation and and, and servicing um, existing relationships. There's going to become a point where you, you, you're going to run out of work. You're going to run out of work for those people. So there is there is there's absolutely a balance to strike there. We've we've, we've tended yeah we, we've tended not to not to struggle with with identifying people who and, and retaining people who can go out and win um, and win, win opportunity um, because we take a long term approach as well to business development. We every relationship to us we we. You know, the aspiration is that every relationship is important. Every contact, um, every contact needs to be a good one. Uh, it doesn't matter who you're talking to, is it candidate or client? 
do they walk away feeling like, right, that's a good business. I would prefer them. I would, I would recommend them. And we, 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 we're very protective of the brand. And actually what we find is that our, because, because we are so um, active in terms of how we contribute to the debate and because we do care about the, the level of experience we're giving, the, the, the brand acts as a business development tool and it's you know, saying, right, you know, we, we, are, um, we are regularly approached by businesses who want us to work, who want us to work with them. So, awesome. so I think there's, it's, again, I think, I think the, the, the slightly um, uh, sort of one note approach to, to business development is, right, okay, there's a phone, there's a target list, crack on and make some calls and nothing wrong with that at all. So, okay, you know, it's, it, it's part of it. But I just, I think you have to look at, you have to look at um, uh, business development and client acquisition in a um, slightly more rounded fashion and, and accept there are many yeah. different ways. There are def- many different ways to do it. Uh, and uh, totally. it goes back to the earlier point. If you contribute to the debate in the right way, if you care about your discipline, people will seek you out to work with you. You know, they, they, right. will, they, will, come, they will come to you and say, come and, you know, come, come, come and engage with us. So, do you know, I wish, in fact, uh, if we had more time, I would love to learn more about how you guys are engaging with each of your sort of specialist, um, you know, disciplines within digital. And that could be an interesting one, maybe for, for our next conversation, Nathan. Sure. Um, what, uh, so I love your vision of being everyone's favorite recruiter, whether you're a client, a candidate, employee, a supplier, or what have you. What's the, what's the vision in terms of, you know, growth from here? So I, I think we, we 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 actually have aspirations to grow. The um, we are looking at growth not just within our contingency recruitment um, teams, but but within our uh, our on-site embedded consulting and um, consulting offering, and that and that would be certainly um, certainly both in, in in the UK and uh, and further and, and, and further afield. Cool. The the, the aspiration to grow is not based on achieving a certain number of headcount by fixed time. So we're not, we're not going to say, right, by next year, it needs to be 60 people. That's it. Because we, the, the aspiration is to grow with the right people, is to, is to get the right, the right talent. And, that's, um, uh, and giving that talent space and opportunity to, to, to be you know, the, best, the, best, the best it can be. So I don't think that works to a fixed schedule as much as I'd love it to. <laughs> I think the uh, I think you have to um, you can have an aspiration to, you can have an aspiration to grow without um, without putting an arbitrary an arbitrary number on it. So I think I, I would I would love to I'd love to have a conversation within 12, 18 months time and say right okay we were thirty um, we're now forty close to fifty be be amazing but I I would rather I would rather have a team the right size team of amazing people rather than r- rather than hire people who. Um, just, just to put a um, uh, to put a bum on the seat because that's not that's not fair on the individual joint of the business, and it's not fair on, on everyone else that works here. Do you know? I agree a hundred percent. I have seen com- fast growing recruitment businesses where they've got to hit a headcount number, you know, in that quarter, and sometimes the quality of new hires does get diluted for the sake of making those targets rather than making sure we have the right yeah. people who are, who are going to prosper and contribute and, and really who will be able to retain in the long, in the long term. So and yeah. everyone's, everyone's hiring, hiring right now. I mean, it's quite, yes. un, unsurprisingly, everyone's after the same people. 
So we, I mean, we 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 we're taking a slightly different approach to it, where we clearly we'd always you know, we'd always talk to people who already recruit within digital and and, and recruit in other sectors. But we've looked at we've looked at really what makes a future head and and what we think is the right um, the right sort of core attributes for for, for, for recruitment and, and the way in which we want to engage with our with our with our communities. Um, and we're we're taking people from different sectors and and giving them the opportunity to flourish. So. Awesome. We're, talk, we're talking to people from all walks of life, where the where, where most importantly the, the the attitude and and you know the, the the aspiration is is there. So I think it's uh, uh, yeah an interesting interesting time. It's going it's going to I, I believe create a, an environment where there's there's genuine culture add and and the kind of diversity of thought that we're, we're we're looking for at all at all levels. Amazing. I can't, since you mentioned it, I can't not ask you, what do you see as being the attributes that you're looking for that, you know, are more important than yeah. specific experience? Yeah, I, it's, um, it's, it's, that, it's, that, it's that thing, isn't it? I, I think first, first off, it's a um, genuinely caring about what you do. So, and so, so not just, but not just a customer service, service, service ethic or, but a, but one where you you have a sense of, of pride and, and uh, in, in what you do and, and, a, and a belief in doing the right thing for yourself, for your colleagues, for your um, for, for the people that the people that you work with. Um, recruitment is a challenging job. We know that it's um, it's uh, can be it can be amazing for you when it goes well. It can be a challenging uh, job when it, when it is when it doesn't. So I think the the, the ability to um, to maintain um, a level head during the best and worst of times, I think there's a bit of a bit of kind of being being humble in success. I think is probably the way probably the way, way I put it. And but also not beating yourself up when things don't go too don't don't go too well. There's there's a there's a balance mm. there's a balance to find there. Um, yes. And uh, and uh, ultimately uh, a strong work ethic. I think I think if you're if you're you know, I personally uh, I. I didn't. I didn't leave school with a with, a, with an aspiration to, to be in recruitment. I, you know, fed, 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 like many others, fell into it earlier you know, <laughs> at a young age. Um, but it, it's it's created choices for me, and it's given me it's given me a a, a life that I, I arguably wouldn't have had without it. And for that, I've got a huge amount of time and respect for it. And I think I think what what's enabled me to to benefit from recruitment is, is first and foremost a work ethic, which says if I if I if I work hard, if I try hard, ultimately ultimately I'll get there. Um, and I think um, and I think that's uh, if you come into this job with that in that headspace as your, as your starting point, it, it, it will work well for you. Your work ethic is an interesting one because do you see there's a generational difference in the way people think about work and what they want to put into it what they want to get out of it um you know and work is work ethic still relevant as one of the primary criteria for for hiring you know what how does that yeah. how does that well, this is, so the danger with work ethic is you can go to a negative place with it so as, as a self-confessed at times grumpy old man i i do think i do think the um i think yeah, it could be easy to sit there and say right okay um, uh, certain generations don't have the right work ethic, or they're not prepared to to um, to put the, the required shift in. And so, I, I don't believe in that at all. I, I think it's when I say work ethic, it's about for the time you're doing the job, 
applying yourself in a positive and constructive way to get the best out of it. I don't, what, I, what, I, what I don't mean by work ethic is presenteeism, unnecessary long hours, taking work home with you, not being able to not being able to um, to leave it to leave it behind when you when you walk out of the office or walk away from your desk. That's that's not work ethic. It's about it's about the output that you that you deliver during the time you work. That's the that that, that that's the important thing. Um, it's too easy. It's, it's a bit of a lazy thing to say. Oh, you know, younger generation this different. I, I, no, it's not. It's, pe- people are people, no matter what generation they're from. It's just you know, every, everyone's. Uh, if people generally want to achieve something, they will achieve it. It's whether it's whether the want is real and they're and they're prepared to do it. Right. Well said. Well said. It's wanting to. Yeah wanting to achieve something and being prepared to do it. Um, listen, Nathan, there's there's lots more we could talk about, but I, we're out of time for today. So thank you so much. It's been really interesting and, uh, and a pleasure to meet you. Uh, Thanks, so I really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to have a chat. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.